3: Alcatraz is one of the most infamous prisons in the world. Evil spirits, red eyed beasts, vicious murderers, and an untold number of ghosts all are said to reside on this tiny island in the San Francisco Bay. Alcatraz Island, The Rock. The name alone
4: conjures up images of Al Capone, Robert Stroud, the Birdman and of course, the famed escape from Alcatraz. This small, rocky outcropping has achieved fame worldwide and has become the number one tourist destination in San Francisco and one of the most visited spots in all of the United States. Welcome to the True Hauntings podcast. My name is
3: Renata Daniel. And I'm Anne Rekovich. And this week we are going to
2: America. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings.
3: So, how you doing, Renata? How you feeling this week? I'm feeling much better, thank you very much. After my little tirade with pneumonia. Well, oh, pneumonia! Yeah, you were um being very selfish and um sort of doing me, 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 me. Look at me! I'm coughing. I've got pneumonia. <laughs> Seriously, woman. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I, I just hate it when people detract from me. <laughs>
4: Oh, it's know. all about molly. I know, but I had to get mortally sick to do that, but never mind.
3: Yes, the universe had to slow you down somehow or other because mm-hmm. um, you weren't slowing down yourself. You just would not stop. Oh, my mm-hmm. God, I I used to get stressed because I can't keep up with you. But now I've seen what it did to you. I'm going, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it
4: takes a lot to um, keep this old bird down.
3: <laughs> I'm such a good friend, aren't I? Oh, yes, you oh, are. Very kind and thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I did bring you a little plate of cheese and bikkies just now. Oh, to thank get you so through much. Yes, and yes. a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm.
4: Thank you so much. But we've had an amazing week
3: because this week we started our new radio show. We did yes. spooky Sundays on Newcastle Live Radio, which is eight to ten p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time when we're not in daylight savings. Mm-hmm. Um, Um, So just look up Sydney time and that will give you an idea of when we'll be on. But it was amazing. We had these beautiful women from the the radio station turn up to help us because we're we're having to work the soundboard and also present our show and um, take phone calls. And it was all a little bit overwhelming with two 15-minute training sessions. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Although Bonnie's a fabulous teacher, we just, it was too much for our first, and we're nervous. Yes. So big shout out to Tracy Mack, Louise Wilkinson, and the beautiful, fantastic, multi talented Bonnie. Yeah, who all turned up to help us on our first episode last Sunday. And um, it went. Off. It went really, really well. We had the phone lines jammed. There was people who were like tried eight times to get through. Um, and uh, in the end, we couldn't get through to everyone. We did our paranormal Q&A and we also did my my favourite, the paranormal trash or treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did some readings and we talked about Annabelle the doll and mm-hmm. we did our paranormal news and Tracy Mack worked the board for us. <laughs> (laughs) Bless the gods. We need a producer like that every week. I just want to be the star of the show, Mm -hmm. and we're uh, willing to pay twenty (laughs) dollars. I've got twenty bucks. (laughs) Um, So if you've got
4: two hours to spare on a Sunday and you're good with the um, with the soundboard, (laughs) twenty bucks. Twenty
3: bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So download the app Newcastle Live Radio, and then you can listen in any time when we are live, or listen afterwards when they uh, put up the. The uh, listen later thing. I can't. Words (laughs) words are gone. We had a bit of a stressful start to the day, didn't we?
4: Yes, yes. Oh, and guess what? What? I've put this story up up to my supporters, but I'm driving along in in my little cloud um, to your place this morning, and I noticed that um, in the lane next to me, there is a hearse with a coffin inside. Oh, yeah. And I've got... mm, I sometimes tend to feel things from that, yeah. <laughs> and so I've driven past it, and I get this all the shutter, the big shutter. Yep. And I go, look, I'm so sorry that you have passed, and and I wish you well, and I, I hope that you find rest and peace. And um, we slow down to the stop lights, and um, we're right next to each other. <laughs> and I oh kind of, no, that's awkward. <laughs> I know. I kind of look over, and the guy who's driving. Gives me the filthiest look I've ever seen. Oh, He's no. obviously looked down at Newcastle Ghost Tours, uh, which is plastered all over my car. <laughs> and, like, if if I could have burnt in hell at that very moment, I would have. And I'm thinking to myself, this is really awkward for anyone who is behind us right now. Oh, somebody's going to take a photo. A, you have a hearse on the left-hand side and on the right-hand side you have ghosts and a number plate called No, it
3: would not have looked good at all. No, somebody would have had to have taken a photo and put that up somewhere on their social medias. Um, Now, look, Renata, I was looking up our credits the other day for travel and we've got a lot of credits. (laughs) Thank you very much for Rona, who's now been responsible for our our air's trip being cancelled. So there's more credits, Um, but... One of them said that we have to use our credits and travel by March next year and we've got to travel to America. Oh, that's hard. So, Peoples, where should we go in America? Because we like to stay at haunted locations and visit haunted places. Uh, So – Give us a shout out on Facebook or on, uh, what's the other yep, one? The Two Hauntings Facebook page or on Instagram. Yep, And let us know where in the States you would recommend us go to stay at a haunted hotel because we want to sleep there the night and uh, places that we should visit. Now, you had a complaint this week as well. Yes, I had a complaint because we
4: actually got away uh, on the weekend to Gloucester, which is about a two hour drive from Newcastle. And the moment you leave the city and, the, and you get out into the country, it's just a really different vibe. And it was just so healthy and just so awesome to get the sunshine and to, sort of, to be out in the country. And I was feeling really good about it. And it really, I must say, once we got into the forest, I think it did a deep healing yeah, on me. I'm sure it did. Because I got a lot better very quickly. I have noticed. And um, so I posted a couple of things online and some people got the real shits about it because it was like, how dare I say that um, I'm out and I'm free and I'm having a good time when they're stuck indoors
3: and uh, unfortunately under lockdown. So are they saying that you should, not, you should not have fun because
4: they are locked out? Well, I shouldn't be posting anything about the fact that I'm out and free. Uh, that was a word that got to people, free, because freedom is being bantied around as a tool yeah. um, to divide mm-hmm. at the moment. Freedom is being taken away as far as some people are concerned. And so uh, this was a real trigger for some people with regard to the fact that I was actually saying, you know, well, free, fresh air, um, wear a mask. Um, this is what we're doing and mm-hmm. we can travel. Um, And this really offended Certain people, which I understand, I absolutely understand, but I also, I also have free speech, and I also have a right to put up the things that I am passionate or I feel important uh, to be said. Um, And it's like sometimes you feel like everyone else can have their word, but you can't. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed. Um, And it was, it was
3: distressing. And it also sounds to me as if. The problem is actually theirs, not yours, and they need to work out how they can find joy in the situation they are in rather than looking outside of what they are capable of doing at the moment and blaming other people for having some joy in their lives. Mm. So the, the trigger is there for them. They need to work out what that is and... I mean we all have the ability to to be the best we can without pointing the finger at others and said you must be lower you must be as low as me. Yeah. That you can't do that. You can't take other people's joy away because you're not in a good place. You've got to work out what the problem is. And Obviously you can't get outside but there is so much you can do mm-hmm. online and um you can sit in the sun with the, the sun coming through your window um uh, find something that can bring you some joy. Don't don't make others come down to that level. I think we have a, a beautiful friend who lives in Sydney.
4: His name is Jonathan Zau, Yeah. who really said it very, very succinctly in that people are being asked to stay at home um, for the health of everyone. They are getting bored by watching Netflix or have nothing to do, which they're taking as freedom being taken away from them. Now, I totally understand that people's livelihoods are going down the toilet. Absolutely. But when you put it in the framework of other people who had their freedom taken away by being in concentration camps or in prisoner of war camps or in jails because of their political views. Or their sexual
3: orientation. Or their sexual orientation. Being um, killed because of
4: Mm -hmm. their beliefs. Yeah. That's a different level of freedom taking. Yep. And people are melding the two together and this is what is causing the big problems. Yeah. The freedoms that are being taken away from us at the moment are nowhere in the realm of what people over the centuries have had to deal with. And yes, they are our living problems at the moment and they are not good for most people. There is nothing to be joyous and happy about. But sometimes you have to do things for the collective and this is where we stand at the moment.
3: Well, okay, that's a lot of um, things to think about there, isn't it? Let's get on with today's story as we look at the little tiny island of Alcatraz. Perhaps the strangest tale told about Alcatraz was the Phantom Drummers. During World War II, Alcatraz was being used as a tornado and mined storage location After a late night, restocking ship had dropped off a new supply of ordnance. Five men were stacking and storing the new torpedoes when they all began to hear the sound of drums. The men thought this unusual and took a break from their task to go and see what was going on. The sound was coming from nearby at the docks and they wondered if the scow that had made the delivery had turned back to the wharf and was playing some odd drum music over the radio. As they approached the docks, they began to hear the sound of chanting that was in unison with the drumming. They rounded a corner and what they saw made them stop dead in their tracks. There in front of them was a campfire. The drumming was coming from a group of Indians sitting around the fire, while others danced around the fire pit in the time of the beat. The men looked at one another in bewilderment. No one was supposed to be down there. And most assuredly, they were not allowed to have a fire this close to a wooden dock the soldiers started to move forward to tell the Native Americans that they were violating federal law by being on Alcatraz, but before they took three steps, the entire scene vanished right before their eyes. According to one trooper, the only reason they reported the incident was to make sure they didn't get in trouble for leaving their assigned task.
4: Wow, well, that was an interesting soundscape. Yeah, it's not what you were
3: expecting, was it? No, that's like a time slip, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And look, uh, the the book that I've used for um, that was Ghosts and Legends of Alcatraz by Brian Clune and Bob Davis, and I actually read their whole book. Mm -hmm. It was really well done, and a lot of the stories that are going to uh, be in today's episode will be from their book. Oh, very interesting, very interesting. Well, I haven't
4: heard any of the stories, um, so it will all be new for me. Um, Alcatraz sits in the middle of water. <laughs> well <laughs> and, done, thank you. That's another <laughs> story. We'll move on, <laughs> and that means it's a no go for me <laughs> unless unless I can um, get a helicopter over. I won't be going anytime soon. And
3: let's face it, we're not that famous yet that we can have a helicopter <laughs> no, across. No, I've been. I have been to Alcatraz. Mm -hmm. It was a long time ago, and I can barely remember it. Um, It would have been, oh, uh, I was in. I'm going to say probably about thirty years ago. Oh, so thirty plus years ago. Wow. When I was only five. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was. I I was there with my husband. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's
4: yeah. It was. How um, did you find it? And don't say by looking at a map, okay?
3: <laughs> <laughs> so you're more on the ball than me today. My brain is fried. Um, it was great and uh, I I wasn't into the paranormal as much then. Mm-hmm. So I went over with tourist eyes rather than a paranormal investigator's eyes and I do remember lots of chipped paint and um, old, cold, drafty buildings. So, um, Which is what we love now. That's, oh, no. I wish I'd just... Known more about it at that stage. But, yeah, no, I I really enjoyed the experience and I would love to take you over there, but... Um, I think the ferry ride is a little too far for you. I know that you've coped going over to uh, Cockatoo Island, which Mm -hmm. was like a three-minute ride, (laughs) and you were white knuckle gripping the rails the whole way. Uh, But, yeah, we'll we'll see if we can work out a way to get you there one day. Yeah,
4: yeah. But let me tell you a little bit of history uh, about this amazing site. And it all goes back to, well, before the white people, arrived there and decided to make it their own. Of course, we had the local uh, Indigenous tribes who were part of the history of Alcatraz. Uh, But I'm going to start in 1775 with a Spanish explorer. And again, excuse me, I will butcher this name, but I'll try and do my best.
3: Oh, they love it. They love it when we get the names butchered.
4: (laughs) Juan Manuel de Ayala.
3: I'm sorry. <laughs> She's lost a place. <laughs> she got so overwhelmed <laughs> by having to <laughs> on that.
4: They needed the Juan uh, and the rest. I'm sorry for mapped and named rugged Alcatraz Island, christening it La Isla de los Alcatraces, or Island of the Pelicans or Strange Bird, due to its large population of seabirds. So then, in 1850, President Fillmore, um, who was uh, who lived from 1800 to 1874, he signed an order reserving the land for military use. And the story that you read was about the military being on mm, the island. It was World yeah. War II era. Yeah. So the California gold rush and the boom in San Francisco's population led to the need to protect San Francisco Bay. So during the 1850s. There was a fortress that was constructed on Alcatraz and some 100 cannons were installed around the island and that made it the most heavily fortified military site on the west coast. Now, the island isn't big, mm.
3: so 100 cannons would have looked quite astounding. It would have been quite um, terrifying, I suppose, for anyone coming in. Yes, so by the
4: late 1850s, the need for the island for defensive purposes had declined, uh, with its guns never being fired and the fortress citadel was dismantled, leaving the basement level to form uh, at the basis of the new military prison. So uh, the first military prisoners uh, began being housed in Alcatraz uh, that same year, 1850s. Uh, they were isolated from the mainland. It's pretty cold in San Francisco Bay. Yeah. It's pretty windy and the waters are really strong. Another reason why I'm not going to go there by ferry. <laughs> I have seen our lovely Allison and Cag from um, Adelaide Haunted Horizons go over, mm-hmm. and I was almost spewing just watching <laughs> their video going, oh, it's not going to happen. Okay. So it was assumed that no Alcatraz inmate could attempt to escape from the island by swimming and surviving because of all of these conditions.
3: Yeah, and sharks too, Mm. I do believe. Now,
4: looking back, we know that that's not true anymore, but you kind of didn't think that back then because people didn't know that they could do it. So it's like everything. Someone has to prove that they can do it before everyone thinks that they can So the myth was perpetuated by the guards to try and deter prisoners from even attempting to escape, but in reality the only sharks in San Francisco Bay were harmless bottom feeders. Oh, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I know
3: a few harmless bottom feeders. Oh, I was about <laughs> to say that and I thought I'm not going to go there, but you did. Well done.
4: Yeah, I know a few harmless bottom feeders. They're not sharks. The prisoners were more at risk from the extremely cold water and the strong currents and the lengthy mile plus swim. So any of these conditions could have led to a drowning and I'm assuming that prisoners there would not have been in the fittest of conditions
3: mm-hmm. anyway to try it. And many people didn't swim. Yeah. It was, wasn't a thing that you did. Not yeah. everyone learned to swim.
4: Yeah. Back then, the ocean was for fish. Did you ever learn to swim, Renata? Um, barely. <laughs> so she's from that age group.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got
2: it in.
4: <laughs> no, if, if I um, fell off board, now no one get any ideas, please. If, <laughs> if, if I fell overboard, yeah, I'd
3: kind of be done for. You'd be a rock? <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I think I'd you know I was actually a swimming champion. I was like regional, made it to the state or whatever it was, but I was just too lazy. I didn't want to train. So, yeah. And I, in, when I got to the state uh, selections, I actually had an asthma attack the, and I didn't know I was an asthmatic at that stage and I couldn't work out why I could barely make it to the end. So. Oh, wow. Anyway, that's another story. Mm.
4: So, during its 83 years as a military prison, the inmates at Alcatraz included Confederate sympathizers and citizens accused of treason during the American Civil War, which was from 1861 to 65. And it also housed American Indians imprisoned in following disagreements with the federal government over land. So, the current 600 cell structure of Alcatraz. Prison, which still stands today, along with the hospital, mess hall and other prison buildings began construction during the early 20th century using inmates for labour. So building was completed in 1912, making it the world's largest reinforced concrete building of the time. Wow.
3: Big Lego building.
4: Made of concrete. Now, by 1933, the prison was handed over from the Army to the U.S. Justice Department, and it was used as a federal prison that could house criminals considered violent, too difficult or too dangerous to be held at other penitentiaries. So additional construction works were undertaken to make Alcatraz even more secure, and it opened on the 1st of July, 1934. There was one prison guard to every three prisoners and each prisoner had their own cell. Wow, that's a big ratio. Mm. The cells measured five feet to nine feet, or by nine feet, sorry, and if a prisoner stretched out, they could touch the cell walls. They were just big enough to hold a sink, a toilet and a bed. D-block cells were a little more spacious but were
3: reserved for solitary confinement.
4: Now, I'm assuming only men were on the island?
3: I haven't seen any reports of anyone but men, but mm. that's, I'm making an assumption there. I didn't think to to look for women's stories, but I yeah. have done.
4: Yeah. So each prisoner had a registry number and it was stenciled on their shirts and their overalls. And um, this became a method of distinguishing between veteran prisoners and newbies. Right. Mm. The prison housed disruptive prisoners and... Uh, they had few privileges and they had to learn to follow all the rules. Many of the prisoners actually considered the living conditions in Alcatraz to be better than other prisons because it was the only prison which offered uh, prisoners hot showers, the belief being that if they were used to hot showers they would be unable to cope with the frigid waters around the island acting as an escape deterrent. Interesting. Mm. Mm. So harsh punishment was used for prisoners who refused to follow the rules of the prison. Cell block D was known as the worst place to end up and the five cells at the end of block D were known as the hole. Yes, I've got stories about that. Right. There was next to no light in the hole and the cells were kept colder than usual and inmates were sent there often and they subjected, they were subjected there to brutal beatings and starvation. But right at the end of the hole was a single cell that became known as the strip cell, reserved for the absolute worst of the worst. While most cells in the hole at least had a sink, the only thing in the strip cell was a hole in the floor for a toilet. Yep.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh. Ah. And that has really good ghost stories attached Ooh. to
4: it. So Alcatraz had a capacity for 336 prisoners but typically held between 260 to 275 inmates at any time. So we've heard that there were very um, many notorious prisoners held at Alcatraz, some of them very famous. So we had the gangster Al Capone who spent four and a half years in incarceration there and um he played a musical instrument, apparently, the mm, banjo. He did. Yep. And um, he was capable of playing 500 songs. There
3: well, you that's go. a pretty good repertoire. Yeah, I would
4: say. Uh, and they apparently they allowed him to play that. Oh, you imagine the, the twang,
3: twang, twang, twang happening. Oh,
4: dang, 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 dang. <laughs> That'd be enough to want to kill him. Um, another infamous prisoner was George Machine Gun Kelly. Who spent 17 years there on a kidnapping conviction? Uh, he began his criminal life as a bootlegger, uh, but then he tried to kidnap a wealthy businessman for ransom. Then we have gangster Alvin Creepy Carpus Karpovich. Oh, that's a great name. <laughs> I know, listed as public enemy number one. Oh, this isn't uh, not Al Capone. No. Well, this was um, in the 1930s, and he spent 25 years behind bars in Alcatraz.
3: You imagine coming out after spending 25 years isolated and learning to live in that environment and mm-hmm. then trying to uh, come back into society and yeah. live. You, yeah. you would have lost all your social norms. That's true.
4: Now, Alcatraz's most famous prisoner was the murderer Robert Stroud, who was known as the Birdman of Alcatraz. So he was convicted of manslaughter in 1909 uh, and... He was later transferred to Leavenworth, Kansas. In 1916, he murdered a prison guard in Leavenworth and was given a death sentence and commuted to life in prison. So he spent uh, 30 years in Leavenworth spending time in segregation and developed an interest in birds and writing two books on canaries and their diseases. He was transferred to Alcatraz in 1942, and uh, he spent another 17 years there. Uh, Six of them were in the segregation block, that's in D block, and then 11 years in the prison hospital. Now, in 1946, there was an incident called the Battle of Alcatraz uh, or the Alcatraz Blastout, where six prisoners were able to overpower a cell house officer and gained access to weapons and the cell house keys, in effect, taking control of the cell house. Um, So that was a major escape attempt. Um, There were a number of uh, escape attempts, actually. In 1956, Floyd Wilson disappeared from his job at the dock, and after hiding for several hours among large rocks along the shoreline, he was discovered and surrendered. On June the 11th in 1962... There was a famous escape. Clint Eastwood made a movie about it called Escape from Alcatraz and it involved four men, Frank Morris, John and Clarence Anglin and Alan West. And they believe that there was somebody else actually who masterminded it but never escaped. He oh. stayed. Hmm. And they made like dummies
3: Oh, yes, I saw some of the pictures of those yeah, dummies. that they put in the beds. So when the guards did the night check, they walked past and they saw the heads and they went, oh, yeah, they're still there asleep. Yeah. But they and, weren't.
4: And they made um, raincoats. They got raincoats and they made crude life vests and a pontoon-style raft uh, and they um, – how could you make a raft without being seen? I've got
3: no idea. We need to watch Clint's movie oh, obviously. to find It'll out. Be factual because we know that all movies about this sort of stuff are factual.
4: Mm-hmm. So they used prison-issued raincoats to make crude life vests and a pontoon-style raft to assist in their swim. A cell house search turned up the drill heads, wall segments and other tools while the water search found two life vests, one in the bay and the other outside the Golden Gate oars, and letters and photographs belonging to the Anglin's that had been carefully wrapped to be watertight, but no sign of the men was found. Now, several weeks later, a man's body dressed in in blue, clothing similar to a prison uniform was found a short distance up the coast from San Francisco, but the body was too badly deteriorated to be identified. Morris and the Anglins are officially listed as missing and presumed dead. Now, so, is that
3: part of the whole masterminded plan that they thought through ahead that, that far to, to chuck somebody in so they'd stop looking for them, assume oh, no. they were all dead? It's Yeah. Mm. So
4: I, I'm kind of going to finish up on there. All good, because um, i got a lot of stuff okay. to tell. Uh, other than in 1972, Alcatraz Island became part of the Golden Gate National Recreation Area and opened to the public in 1973, welcoming one million tourists a year, obviously pre-COVID. And I just want to do a shout out to our beautiful Ticketek, Joe, who assisted in
3: the research for my part of this particular podcast. And I'd like to give a shout out to no one because no one helped me. <laughs> now, I think you actually sent me some links of things as well, but this book that I found was was
1: great. So. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: To find out if it's right for you,
3: the hauntings at Alcatraz Mm -hmm. started way before there was a prison there. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to go back to the Alone tribe, and I'm sorry if I got that wrong, the Alona tribe, uh, which actually used the the island as a fishing bait for hundreds of years. And they sort of used it as a prison themselves for anyone within the tribe who had broken tribal law. So if you weren't doing the right thing, you got put out onto the island and uh, they would drop off supplies because you could only access it by boat. So mm-hmm. they would make sure that they, they had their supplies.
4: Supplies. Supplies.
3: <laughs> oh, another. Oh, she's cracked herself up. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Pull yourself together, woman. Oh, my goodness. So, uh... <laughs> The fishermen would spend as little time as possible on Alcatraz for fear of evil spirits that they believed was there. So they thought it was the ghost of past ancestors who couldn't find peace in their death. She's still shaking her head. She's (laughs) really tickled her own fancy on that. (laughs) I'm not well. I'm (sighs) not well. Forgive me. No, you're not well in oh so many (laughs) ways. Uh, They also believe that the... uh, that those imprisoned on the island and who had died there would come back to seek revenge for their banishments and untimely deaths because it was so hard to live. How interesting. Yeah. Uh, Witchcraft was a large part of the Olono myths and when a person was thought to have poisoned another, the shaman would be called in to judge and, if necessary, protect the people from the sorcerer or witch. If the poison was thought to be in the form of a curse, so that when they say poison, they don't necessarily mean uh, something to uh, make you sick, but Mm -hmm. uh, anything that was an ill wish or ill intent Mm -hmm. uh, was a poison. So if the poison was thought to be in the form of a curse, the shaman would need to counter it. Uh, And they they considered this to be a really selfish act for you to to do this sort of thing to someone else. Um, If the shaman determined that the curse was for personal gain, the sorcerer or witch would be exiled to Alcatraz to live out their days in solitude or with others who had also been banished. Imagine there was a Lord of the Flies scenario Mm. going on over there.
4: So there there would have been a cemetery or a, a place of burial
3: there, was there? Well, if they were on the island by themselves... There'd be no one there to bury them. But we'll we'll get to that. Okay. okay. If um if the shaman deemed the offering act to be a truly evil nature, then the offender would be put to death. Mm-hmm. The bodies of the offenders were buried in the mounds on Alcatraz. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Their spirits were sentenced to forever walk the earth alone. That is, unless they found kindred spirits. So the Alone believed the spirits that shared the same feelings of love greed, hate, and vengeance could find each other and become aligned. Uh-huh. The spirits would uh, walk side by side and attempt to influence the living. So this is what we'd call a possession or an attachment. Yes, an attachment. Those spirits that were filled with love would walk among their people spreading goodwill and hope, trying to make the lives of those they touched happy and fulfilling. Then there were the entities that were so filled with so much hate and evil they spent their afterlives in the pursuit of making people suffer and live in fear. These evil spirits wanted nothing more than revenge upon those still living, believing that they were the cause of their suffering and torment. I mean, that happens in real life now, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. These spirits were thought to be of people who had been cast out, exiled for offences, or put to death for their naughty, naughty deeds against fellow tribesmen. And these evil entities are said to walk the shores of Alcatraz. Oh. So, this is where these, like the legends of, all started to come from. They were desperate enough to flee the Spanish and live on the, the shores of Alcatraz. Even though the Alone knew the spirit, evil spirits might reside on this little island, they felt that their chances were much better there with these evil spirits than with the Spaniards. So can you imagine? How that, horrified yeah. that must be. Uh, the the people also knew that the Span- Spanish had their own superstitions about Alcatraz. The Spanish believed that a monster lived on the island, and that not even the natives would dare to live asong- uh, alongside this red-eyed devil.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So the the Native Americans were hiding behind the fear of the Spanish. The Ilone, for their part believed that the monster the Europeans were so afraid of was a creature sympathetic and kind of kind to the native people of the area, the Mutta Kagmi. Um, and that is the Sasquatch. Oh I know. Oh no. Ooh, I just got goosebumps. Ooh. Yeah, but they also believe there was another entity that would have lived on there as well. Um but let's just, we'll keep going with this one at the moment. Mm-hmm. There are many within the Native American populace who believe that the Matakagmi, by whatever name you want to call it, um, are friends of the Native American people. They believed it could have been the Matakagmi that helped protect the Ohlone uh, when they sought refuge on the Alcatraz Island. So they were believe that they were protecting them. However, there are others who believe that this is something else, something that's not discriminant in its hatred for those still living. Those people believe that the evil that was on the island of Alcatraz was known as the bookwuss. Now, the Bookwus has been mistaken as a Sasquatch. So people believe it's the same creature, but it's not it uh, is different in very many ways. Um, the similarities are some of the descriptions of it being eight to ten feet tall and extremely hairy. However, the Mata Kugma, which kagmi, which is the, the Sasquatch, are seen to be as peaceful and benevolent, whereas the book was, is the embodiment of evil. Uh, they are savage, human-like, undead, drowning victims. They appear zombie-like, hairy, bloated, decaying corpses. They possess great physical strength and can become invisible to get close to their victims. These undead creatures are mostly found in forested areas near streams, lakes and rivers, but are not limited to that. Because they were tortured souls of those who have drowned and been turned into bookwurst by others – who have gone before, they can be found anywhere in any body of water where people have drowned. Mm. And knowing the treacherous waters that are around Alcatraz, you imagine that there would have been quite a few people that may have drowned in that area. So these sound very elemental.
4: They sound very, yes.
3: very, very old. So the book was will try to lure the living to join them. Uh, and the way the book was did this was to offer the living a cockle shell filled with ghost food. If the living person was foolish enough to eat out of the shell, he or she would be turned into a bookwas. Even if the person refused to eat the food the was would attempt to drown their victim in an attempt to condemn him or her to an afterlife of eternal hunger, misery, and wandering at the side of the book was. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Very ethereal, very,
4: very, um, oh, what am I looking for? Those um, very pagan in in, the the way it's described and how the Indigenous people are always working with their environment and they see the good and the bad.
3: Now, the first ghost story that um, has been reported was back in 1902. And this is another report of the drums. This was before the World War II story. Mm -hmm. Uh, The trooper said he investigated the sound and followed it down to the parade grounds. He said that the sound was loud and steady. and He was wondering why no one else had come to investigate it themselves. The trooper stated that as he approached the parade ground drums got louder and louder until he reached the area where he thought the drums were coming from. He said that he cautious, cautiously walked onto the parade grounds and the second his foot hit the dirt, the drums suddenly stopped. The man looked around the grounds but found no one and never heard the drums beating again. Oh. All right, so now another uh, reported haunting was that the sounds of battle. Now, this is an interesting one because there was actually no battles on Alcatraz Island. As you said, those cannons were never fired. Mm -hmm. Uh, But another legend told about Alcatraz is that of hearing the sounds of gunfire and cannon shot. Over the years following the Civil War, soldiers stationed on the island have reported that while on sentry duty late at night, they thought that Alcatraz was under attack. They would suddenly hear the sound of intense gunfire coming from the island, as if the gunners were shooting at a passing ship or an invading fleet. The alarm guards would not only hear the cannons, but the sound as well of men screaming and running to their posts, ammunition carts being moved into position. The startled guards would hurry from their assigned posts to man their battle positions, only to find the island peaceful. And the sounds vanished. Rangers to this day are still reporting this as a current thing. It's still happening, but it never saw battle. So how how is that happening?
4: Well, we know that sound travels really well over water and sometimes you can make an assumption that the sound is close by when it's actually not. So I'm wondering whether the bay itself... Is like an echo chamber,
3: quite possibly,
4: and uh, allows the sound to travel. I mean, I'm trying to make it fit. Yep in a, in a way that we're might- trying to find logical explanations <clears throat> yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, That could be logical, but yeah. For,
3: for it to be that loud that they actually thought there was a yes. battle happening. Yeah. So it's not that it is a um, oh, what have we got residual mm. that's imprinted itself on a location. Unless the cannons there had been involved in something and it was residual from one of the cannons? Who knows? It might be a haunted object. Oh, no, no. no. Anyway, but that's a recent thing that is still happening. Another legend from Alcatraz is known as The Thing. The Thing. Wasn't there a movie about that? Yes, (laughs) there was. The tales have come from many soldiers, prisoners, guard and rangers over the years. It's the same as those told by the Spaniards when they were doing their telling. Anyway, um, the thought is that this red-eyed animal uh, appears on a, se- a semi-regular basis and whether it's the Bigfoot or the Bookwess, we don't really know, but it is one of the legends from Alcatraz that sort of hangs around. So, so far we've got a whole lot of
4: older superstitious myths, legends yeah. and stories, very um, crypto style, yeah, um, and it's not a big island. To hide, no, where do you hide? Where, where do you hide? A Bigfoot? Were there ever trees a there? Sesquatch. Like, is it is it just all rock? Were there trees?
3: Well, they What's call there? it the rock because that's it's a rocky outcrop. Mm. All right, so we've got some reports of some. Uh, various ghosts. There's Dutch, sorry, Joseph Dutch Bowers. Now, he was believed to be criminally insane and he attempted suicide. Uh, and they thought that, you know, because he had tried to do that, that proved his insanity. The prison psychiatrist, Edward Twitchell, said that Bowers tried to cut his own throat. The attempts at suicide uh, seemed to have been very theatrically staged and planned, resulting in very little damage. And I believe the unsuccessful attempts were for the purpose of gaining opinion favourable to him. That's actually quite a thought process there. It's not someone who's in desperation, but someone who's trying to get some sort of attention. Mm -hmm. At 11.20am, as the bell sounded for the inmates to return to the cell block and prepare for lunch, Bower started walking towards the Model Industries building and then he suddenly ran for the fence. As he climbed the chain link, the road tower guard yelled for him to stop and get down from the fence, but Bowers ignored all the warnings. Seeing that Bowers was about to go over the fence, the officer took aim and fired two shots from his service rifle, striking Bowers, causing him to lurch over the chain fence and fall to the shoreline below. Bowers was only 40 years old when he died violently, as criminals often do. There have been reports over the years of both guards and passing boaters of a spectral figure who wanders the rugged shoreline where Bowers met his end. Is this still his spirit that is wandering there? Who knows? Mm. Could be anybody. Could be anyone. It could actually be someone who was down there walking. But it makes a good story, doesn't it? does. It? So we're now going to turn to the dungeon. Most prisoners who entered the dungeon, as the basement was now called, never wanted to go back. The treatment down there was so bad and it was so uncomfortable that quite often they went mad serving their time down there. The entire ward was pitch black once the guards left and closed the door. The floor was constantly wet with the dripping cisterns and the sounds of rats running across the floors and the walls were a constant reminder to the inmates that they could be bitten or worse. Oh, that would just be, oh, that would be awful. If you were actually able to sleep, it had to be done sitting uh, against a wall or lying in the water on the floor. Wow. The guards would come down several times a day and at night, to wake those who have managed to finally get asleep, and they were fed a diet mostly of bread and water. This is just horrific. They were supposed and, to get... Imagine in winter when it's freezing I know, cold. And it gets cold there. They were supposed to get a hot meal of soup every three days. Oh, but the guards often ignored even that meagre nicety. If the guards were really in a mean mood, they would put the inmate on water only although there's keto for you. Another thing that the guards did was that they would throw a bucket of cold water on the prisoner so that they were left shivering and freezing until they finally dried off. Imagine the illness that they would have sustained from that too. Now, when people visit this particular area now, um, it's called cell block A, and uh, people report hearing men calling up from the basement, calling mm. out even though there's no one down there. Uh, When this first started happening, they, they would go down and they would search to make sure that there was nobody down there, but they would never find anyone. And one of the rangers working in the late afternoon heard screams coming from the dungeon, thinking it was a tourist had become lost from the group. She hurried down the spiral staircase and found the screaming what she called a game of hide and seek. The ranger never found anyone and for a long time she didn't report the incident out of fear that her co-workers would make fun of her. It took a few months of getting the courage but she finally came clean on what had happened and the supervisors and rangers just said, yeah, that happens all the time. But Mm -hmm. if you talk to the rangers, apparently they will say it's not haunted. Mm -hmm. They've all, I think, been instructed to say the place is not haunted. Mm But they've all got experiences. <laughs> now, there is another reported haunting of the Warder's mansion. So, this is where the boss would live. Uh, and it's one of, another one of the earliest reports of the time when Alcatraz was a jail. So, this apparition was around Christmas time. Just one night before Christmas, Warder Johnson was throwing one of his famous Christmas parties and while the festivities were in full swing with guards lining the walls to keep an eye on the inmates, the entire party came to an abrupt halt. The reason everyone in the room suddenly stopped the celebrations had to do with an unexpected and completely unknown party crasher appearing out of nowhere in front of the startled group. The man in front of them wore a grey suit and a hat with a full brim and supported a handsome set of mutton-chop sideburns. What they noticed most, however, was the man was transparent. The spectre looked around the room for a moment and seemed to sigh, and then an icy cold swept over the entire room. The room had a very large stove and a fire raging inside to keep the room warm, But that icy blast that came with the ghost was undeniable. The icy cold brought by that spirit actually extinguished the flames within that stove. And as it did so, the spirit vanished, leaving the warden and his guests wondering what the hell just happened and what had they just witnessed. A few years after the event... Some officers and guards of the prison were enjoying a relaxing night playing poker at the mansion's game room. Uh, Sometime around midnight, the men looked up from their game to see the same spirit from the night of the Christmas party watching their poker game. This time, however, the ghost was reported to be wearing a dark double-breasted suit and a dark-brimmed hat. The spectre still wore his distinctive mutton-chop sideburns, uh, which is how they sort of recognised him from the, the ghost before as the spirit stood watching the men for a few moments and then they had that same blast of icy cold air and he vanished from sight. Now, that may not necessarily have been a prisoner. That could have been attached to somebody who was at the party. So these, these people had to be at the Christmas party to be able to recognise them. So it must be someone that's attached to those people. Mm-hmm. How interesting. Another story for you. Did mm-hmm. you know that there was a lighthouse there? I think I have heard of that, yes. So it was built in 1853. The light went on in 54. They had an earthquake in 1906 with a bit of damage to it, uh, but it was demolished and they rebuilt another one in 1909, which was taller and better suited for the conditions of the bay. Mm-hmm. So one guard from the 1940s said that he had been walking uh, his rounds in the early hours of an extremely foggy morning when he heard the sound of moaning coming from the area between the prison and the light tower and he headed down in that direction. You get that smirk off your face, Renata. When he neared the area where the sound was coming from, he saw something began to shimmer directly in front of him and a building Appeared. in it materialized. It's like Doctor Who what? and the TARDIS. A whole building. A whole building materialized where he was standing. The guard that he stumbled said he stumbled backwards to get out of the way of an old style lighthouse. What? As it came into existence, complete with a rotating beacon and foghorn. Oh my gosh. The guard quit the following day. <laughs> How bizarre is that? A whole building. Wow. Yeah. Now what, look, what, what was he taking? No, I don't know. <laughs> now there I'm gonna have to skip some of these stories because I've got so many here and we, we're gonna run out of time. So let me let me jump over to um the model industries building. Mm-hmm. All right. This building was in the northwest corner of the island, has seen so much violence and death that it should come as no surprise that it is haunted. This is where Officer an officer had been beaten to death with a hammer oh. in 1938 uh, with part of a, a, an uprising that went down there. So, this part of the island is said to be a magnet for reports of spirit sightings. There is the apparition of a guard slowly making his rounds of the building. The spirit is seen looking around, sometimes carrying a billy club, and always alert. This guard will glance in the direction of the living but gives them a look of suspicion as he sees them as inmates rather than visitors or guests. If the spectre is approached, he will simply shake his head and vanish from view. The rangers and employees often working in Alcatraz today believe this is the spirit of Officer Royal Klein, the guard who was brutally killed with a hammer during the escape attempt by Limerick, Lucas and Franklin. Now, what is Billy Club? Um, I think it is one of those police clubs. Mm. A baton. A baton. A baton. 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 We'll have to look that up afterwards. But now we've got to get to the hole. The hole. So this is a very notorious cell, 14D. So they have... People who go there um, have a feeling of... Sudden intensity in that area. I don't know what sudden intensity is. Just suddenly get very dramatic. You suddenly get very intense. <laughs> oh, dear.
4: Um, some then, r- r- look, there's got to be a build-up to the hole. Yeah. Everyone knows that the hole in any... A- and you'd play on it, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Of course yeah. you would. Absolutely. Oh, I'm going to stick you in the hole...
3: Notorious oh, I wheeze. <laughs> I do like it. When Winona gives me a clanger I need to do nothing but sit back and let her wheeze. Oh, I didn't mean that. But you know what I mean. I do know I'm, what you I'm mean. i put you in the hole. I'm an All old right. married woman. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> All right, let me get on with the story. Oh, oh, no. oh, some, no. r- some rangers refuse to go there alone. It's intensely cold, far colder than normal. They've got no light in there, for starters. Um, Sometimes they say even wearing a jacket doesn't even help. It's that cold. Uh, And they've measured the temperature and it's 20 degrees warmer outside of the hole. (coughs) hole. At one time, they actually used to let tourists get an idea of what it was like in that lightless cell. Um, And they'd put them in there and there'd be one solid door um, and soundproofed and one barred and let people volunteer to go in there. But they could quite often faintly hear other people in there talking with them and couldn't work out where it was coming from. Only the most violent and incorrigible prisoners were housed there. Now, this is where we go into the fifth solitary confinement cell, which was reserved for the worst of the worst, as you were saying. Mm -hmm. I wonder if the place is very echoey too. Oh, well, it's all stone. So, of course, it's all cement, isn't it? So, of course, it's going to have sound that would um, reverberate. Now, the reason why the prisoners were terrified of 14D, the strip cell, is not necessarily because of the fact that it's just that hole in the ground there and there's no light and um, they would be treated so badly. It's because the red-eyed demon lived in that cell. Oh. So remember you go back to the mm-hmm, bookhouse? Mhm. Mm-hmm. So there is a guard that tells a story about this particular cell and about the remnant energy that still lingers there and to me it sounds very elemental.
4: Mhm. Yes. It's funny how he lives
3: there. Mm. Well, it's that hole directly into the ground. Yeah. The hole contained no windows and only one light which could be turned off by the guards. The darkness made it seem like a hole in the ground, hence the name. On one occasion, an inmate was locked in the hole. Within seconds, the inmate began screaming that someone with glowing eyes was in there with him. Oh, God, that would be just so terrifying. The man's screams continued well into the night until there was silence. The following day, the guards inspected the cell. The convict was dead, a horrible expression etched on his face and noticeable hand marks around the throat. The autopsy revealed that the strangulation was not self-inflicted. Some say he was strangled by a guard who had had enough of the man's screamings, Mm -hmm. although no guard ever admitted to it, not even to other guards. Others believe it was the restless, evil spirit of a former inmate who expected to exact his revenge on yet another helpless soul. To add to the mystery, the day of the tragedy, several guards performed a routine lineup of convicts, counted one too many people. At the end of the line, the guards witnessed an extra body, that of the recently deceased convict. As everyone looked on in stunned silence, the figure of the ghostly convict vanished into thin air. Now, according to the records, the actual written records of Alcatraz, no one died in that cell. But as if they would admit it, if they died on their watch, who knows what happened on that island. Mm, Yes. Uh, The theory uh, most widely sort of, talked about is that Rufus McCain, due due to his long incarceration within the cell, is the spirit causing all the havoc. Now, before we finish up, I have to do Al Capone. You must do Al Capone. All right. So throughout Al Capone's life, he was... uh, thought to have been bothered by spirits. So he was a believer of this sort of thing before he ended up on Alcatraz. Al was never one to be frightened of anything other than the loss of affection from his adoring public, but he had always been terrified of ghosts. One such spirit was the ghost of James Jimmy Clark, one of Scarface's victims in the Valentine Valentine Days Massacre. Now, Jimmy didn't make himself known to Alcompone until he was incarcerated in 1925, sorry, 1929 to 30 at the Eastern State Penitentiary, which is somewhere I want to go and visit where he'd been locked up on a concealed weapons charge. Scarface had bribed the wardens and guards to allow him special favours such as gourmet food, unlimited visitor rights and luxury appointments set up in his cell.
4: Did they have menu log back then?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Imagine the the greasy palms that were going on there. Uh, Al Capone's time at Eastern State was more comfortable than most people had in the outside. That is, except for Jimmy living in the cell with him. We're talking about the ghost of Jimmy. Almost every night, the other prisoners would be woken up by the sound of Capone screaming out for Jimmy to leave him alone. This happened so often that the other convicts asked the guards to have Al removed. It got to be so bad that Al could be heard holding whole conversations with Jimmy. Al told anyone who would listen that all he had to do is get out of Eastern State and Jimmy would be out of his life for good. Unfortunately... That was not the case. Once he got out of jail, Jimmy followed him wherever he went. It got so bad that Al Capone hired a psychic to talk to Jimmy. Really? In the hopes that he would go away. Oh, my goodness. No such luck. Uh, Jimmy even followed him to Alcatraz and was present at Al's bedside on the day he died. Oh... So guests and rangers have reported the sound of phantom banjo music coming from Capone's (laughs) old cell. One of his 500 songs were being uh, played. Mm -hmm. I bet one of them was You Are My Sunshine. (laughs) Uh, I'd I'd love to see sunshine. (laughs) (laughs) One ranger who was walking the cell blocks before closing one evening said that as he was nearing Capone's cell on B Block, he could hear banjo music coming from the tiny cubicle. Thinking that a guest had stayed behind, the ranger hurried to the cell, but once there, the music stopped and the cell was empty. As soon as he walked away and reached the end of the cell block, the music started up again in the empty cell. At that stage, I would just walk out and let it go. (laughs) I'd leave a recorder on, though. Yes, yes. Now, they don't actually um, have ghost tours, on the island, oh, don't. They no. There have been a couple of people who have been allowed to stay the night, but uh, I think it's quite expensive, and it's not encouraged. So they they they're more interested in the history and telling mm-hmm. the tales of the actual prisoners. At one stage, the island was abandoned by the government, and uh, local uh, the Native American people went out and set up camp there and claimed the island as their own. Mm -hmm. So it was taken back by the the Native Americans and uh, there are a lot of rules and regulations of what you can and can't do on the island Mm -hmm. Uh, and very few people have actually been able to do paranormal investigations on the island.
4: <clears throat> that might go back to their um, traditional beliefs yeah. of awakening those um, elemental spirits again yeah. and of what might happen
3: to their people yeah. because they have done so. Yeah, and I love that they've taken the island back for themselves. Mm-hmm. I really love it. Um, but that, that brings us to the end of this episode. So what do you think? That it's was fascinating. Yeah, I know. It started so back so much further than what you expected. Yeah. But is this a true haunting? <sighs>
4: I would love to say yes. Mm. I would love to say. I mean, our own experiences at Maitland Jail tell us that there are very unusual things that happen some nights at that place Mm. and it has nowhere near the history and the brutality and the murders and the deaths and the goings-on that Alcatraz has, even if we take into consideration the, um, the... Native American history that's associated with it. I would like to say it's haunted as all hell.
3: Yeah, I, I would like to say that given the, the fact that it is a rocky outcrop and that it's got the, the history starting back from before white men arrived there, that um, there must be at least something elemental there mm-hmm. uh, if not the tortured souls of the prisoners Mm -hmm. it is just a place begging to be haunted so I'm going to say yes it's haunted yes alright thank you for joining us on this week's episode of True Hauntings if you've liked our episode please leave us a fabulous review you can do that on iTunes or pop over to our Facebook page True Hauntings and you can leave a review there we love seeing the comments and how much people have enjoyed it and we respond to everyone who reaches out to us but it's time it's time to go and we'll see
4: See you you on on the the dark dark side side.
3: bye
2: thank you for listening to this episode of true hauntings if you like the show give us a five star rating and leave a review subscribe on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you're listening right now for more on ann and renata follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com. True Hauntings is a part of the Human Labs Podcast Network.